wonderful job. We appreciate it so much. Uh, I hope you've got a cup. We're going to take the Lord's Supper at the end of the service. So uh, if you don't, I'm sure that Tom, some of the other deacons will probably get some and bring it around when uh, the end of the service comes. If you've been with us, you know we've been in the Gospel of John for the last several years, and we're going to be in chapter 18 today. And if you'll make your way there, we're going to talk about Peter's denial and his restoration. Uh, You ever denied the Lord? I have. Not proud of it, but I have. And I'm guessing... Most or all of you have. But if you've never failed in any way, you can probably get up and leave because this sermon won't be for you. But if you have failed, this sermon is for you. And I suspect every single one of us can relate. Let me tell you a story about a man named Walter. He grew up in a very dysfunctional family, and he and his brothers left home by the age of 16. And uh, he ended up signing to join the army early as a young man and he went to the army and after the army he got out at age 22 and he started a business in Kansas City and it failed. He had $40 to his name so he decided to go to California and get into acting. Well that failed also. He couldn't make his way in acting and then he and his brother they began to um, have an animated service And in this animation service, they never got the copyrights for and never made any money, and it failed as also. And then he said, according to his words, Walter said, I had one heck of a breakdown. And it was the lowest point in his life. And he created this cartoon character, and he was going to name this cartoon character Mortier Mouse. Mortier Mouse. And his wife Lillian said, why don't you name that cartoon character, Mickey Mouse. And he did, Walt, as you know who I'm speaking about now, Walt Disney, he began to have some success. But the mediums that he was going through failed, and he was in debt for $4 million. Didn't know what he was going to do. But then this new development came, which is called the television. And he put Mickey Mouse on the television, And uh, he had Davy Crockett and also the wonderful world of color. And then he always had this idea that he would have a Disneyland there in California, which he did. He opened it up in 1955. And then he found this property in this little out-of-the-way place called Orlando, Florida. And he created Disney World. But he died prior to it being open. You know, he failed over and over and over again. But we can fail and we can give up or we can fail and we can say, I will never give up. I will continue to fight. And that's what each of us should do. Never, ever give up. So if you'll stand with me, we're going to see Peter failed. But then God continued to give him chance after chance. And we're going to start reading in verse 15 through 18, and then 25 through 27, and then next week we'll come back and pick up with the high priest. But it said in verse 15, And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and did another, as did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest, and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, 
went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought in Peter. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not one, also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and the, and the officers who had made a fire of coal stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Now verse 25. Now Simon Peter stood there and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it again and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately a rooster crowed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you today that you can use those of us who fail. But God, when we fail and we stay down, you simply cannot use us. So I pray today, if anyone has failed that's here and have been staying down and not getting back in the game, that today they would get back in the game for the for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Father, I pray that you would just open our hearts to be receptive to your word. And Lord, that we would be doers of the word as we heard earlier. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I don't know about you, but I have failed to confess the Lord before people at, at times. In fact, I've told you the story of the gentleman when I was brand new to the ministry. And this gentleman uh, lived at Viola. He was in the hospital. He was, had cancer. He was in critical condition. And I went to visit with him. And when I got there, uh, he was in a coma. And I prayed the Lord to give me another chance. And I came the next morning, and he was awake, and his family was with him. And God had given me another chance. But I thought, well, you know... <laughs> He's doing so well and his family's there. I don't want to embarrass him. I said, tonight when I come back, I'll come back after class tonight and I will go and see this man and I will speak to him. Well, guess what? I came back that night. His bed was rolled up and he had passed away during the day. And I had failed the Lord. The Lord had told me, tell this man about me. And I failed him. But you know what? I want to talk about spiritual failures, but I also want to talk about after we fail, then what? And the first thing that I want to share with you is the steps of denial because there's downward steps and we can see in Peter's life and we can also see in our life when we are going to fail the Lord. I mean, Peter was a leader among the twelve. The, he, was, he was one of the inner circle, one of the three, Peter, James, and John. They were the ones always there with Jesus in the inner circle. He was one of the first disciples called by Jesus. And he would also be the leader of the early church. And he would be there when, Peter, when uh, Jesus ascended back to heaven. But right now, here he is sitting by the fire with those who are denying Christ, and he is denying Christ, saying, I am not one of his disciples. No, I'm not. I never would be. And then he, the last time we read Mark's gospel, he actually cursed. Blankety-blank, I am not one of that man's disciples. Now, maybe we haven't done that to that depth, but how many of us have held our tongue when God wanted us to speak out for him? How many times have we said, well, you know, I just don't, you know, I'm uncomfortable doing that. I just can't pull the trigger and I don't know what I'm going to do. But I mean, three times Peter denied the Lord and the Lord had told him he would deny him three times. But these steps that I want to share with you are the steps that Peter made there and the steps that we make here when we deny him. The first one is we begin to disagree with the word of God. We begin to say, well, you know, I don't think that's really right. You know, I used to believe that, but I don't believe that any longer. And uh, 
Peter had begun to disagree with the word of God because he had been told he would deny Christ three times and the rooster would crow, but he failed. And you think about not long before this, just a matter of months before this, there in Caesarea Philippi, Jesus had taken the disciples outside where there was no Pharisees and Sadducees, no Jews, and he took them to this mount. And when he got there... Uh, he has this important statement that he makes in Matthew's gospel in chapter 16. He said, from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. He's going to do that. Suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes. He will do that and be killed. That will happen and be raised the third day. But then Peter's like, whoa, 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 takes him aside and said, now, no, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. No, no, no. He had just heard the words from Jesus himself, and then he begins to rebuke Jesus, and he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. You know what Peter was wanting? He was still wanting a physical kingdom where he would have a role as one of the senior members, and Jesus said, That's not going to be a physical kingdom. It's going to be a spiritual kingdom, and Peter, you need to get on board with that. So if you're going to be with men, get behind me Satan. Now those are pretty harsh words, but Jesus was telling him, listen, if you want to be part of this kingdom, you have to follow me and listen and then obey what I say, because this is not a man-made kingdom. This is a kingdom that is of its heavenly origin. So I want to challenge you to stay in the word of God to read it daily. I want to challenge you to pick it up. If you can't see it very well anymore, you can have it on your phone and you can listen to it. You can listen to it while you're going down the road. You can listen to it at about any time. I walk the halls and I listen to the Word of God. That's what I do. So I'm constantly trying to get it in my body and in my life and my mind so I don't sin against Him. And the only thing that will keep us from sin is the book. So we have to stay in the Word of God. Of God, and, and we have to read it, we have to obey it. And if you stop reading it, you will stop obeying and you'll begin to drift away. And you know, you don't ever drift toward holiness, do you? That has to be a pursuit. The pursuit of holiness, as Tozer said. We have to come to that place where we say, Lord, help me not be unfaithful. Help me to pursue you with all that I am. We never drift toward obedience, but disobedience. That's why we have to align our word with the word, our lives with the word of God and not align our lives with the world. Because when we align our lives with the world, we're going to fail every time. So we begin to disagree with God's word as Peter did. Far be it from you, Lord, this is not going to happen to you. You're not going to be beaten. You're not going to be crucified and buried and resurrected. That's not the way this is to end. So we begin to disagree with God's word. The second thing is he becomes overconfident. And we can become overconfident in our lives as well. Jesus predicted that Peter would deny him three times. And Peter's basically like, Lord, I would never deny you. These other turkeys may deny you, but I'll stand by your side regardless of what comes. Well, we know the rest of the story. And Jesus said, well, Peter, before the crow, uh, the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me. And Peter said, never, never, never. But in John 13, we see these words. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? 
And here's what he said, I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him and he said, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. You know, pride's a hard thing to admit, isn't it? Two guys were talking and one guy said, you know, I'm glad that I don't, I'm not a prideful man. The other man said, well, you don't have anything to be prideful about. He said, well, I've got more things to be prideful about than you do. Pride. It's a subtle sin. A Catholic priest I was reading said in 30 years of hearing confession, he had never one time heard the confession of pride. No one ever said, I, 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 I'm a prideful person. I need my pride stripped away. We are always so biased in our own favor that we can't admit that. Pride is an attitude that causes us to think that we're incapable of sin like Peter. I will never, ever, ever leave you or deny you. But you know what? The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things and who can know it? Proverbs 16 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Every single one of us are a step away from falling. That's why it is important that we don't disagree with the Word of God. It's important that we don't become overconfident thinking, Oh, that would never happen to me. That would happen to lesser believers, but never to me. Listen, be careful. You're one step away from falling, just like Peter. And peer pressure from the wrong crowd. Peer pressure from the wrong crowd. Now we know that that Peter began to walk with those who were hostile with Jesus. And then he began to stand with those who were hostile toward Jesus. And then he began to sit with those who were hostile toward Jesus. So he, he walked, he stood, and then he sat. And what we need to understand is we get with the wrong crowd. It's easy to go with the wrong flow. Right? I always said, and maybe you've heard me say it many, many times, but I'll probably say it until I end up dying. And, but every time I pray, listen, I want you to understand. I always tell people, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Who you hang out with is who you become like. And if you want to become better, then you need to hang out with better people. And if you want to hang out with the worst people, guess what? You are in for trouble. Peer pressure. And you will have that pressure. People don't share your belief. And because of that, you'll, be, you'll start to waffle back and forth. You'll be overconfident in your abilities. And then you will have this pressure that comes from the wrong crowd. And then you will fail. You will fall. Listen, be careful. In Mark's Gospel in chapter 14, Peter followed him at a distance. That was a problem. I'll come back to that. Right into the courtyard of the high priest and he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. Now, Peter's first mistake, he followed from a distance. You can't follow Jesus from a distance. You have got to be with him. Get on his right shoulder and stay there. Where he leads me, I will follow. And that's not from a distance. That is as close as we can possibly get to him. When we find ourselves in trouble, it's when we begin to wander away, drop back and say, you know what, I don't want to be identified too much with, with the church, with Christ, because people will think I'm you know, kind of crazy and nutty and, and they'll, they'll ostracize me and I'll have this stigma and, 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 I'll, and it's just going to be a bad thing. So what I'm going to have to do is, is just be one of those silent followers of Christ. I'll follow 
from a distance. And that's what Peter did. And we see what happens to Peter. But notice in Psalm 1-1 what I've talked about in this text. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Peter was walking with them. Nor stands in the path of sinners. He stood with them by the fire. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. That's what Peter does. And he denies Christ. Listen, what we have to do is stay in the book. The old preachers always said this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. And you show me a dusty Bible and I'll show you a life that has drifted. Blow the dust off. Get in it. Stay in it. Let it come out of you. If you find yourself walking with the wrong crowd, turn around. Don't stand with them and definitely don't sit with them because peer pressure is very powerful especially among teens, but it's also powerful among adults wanting to be accepted by the crowd. Verse 17 of our text says, Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. He had been walking, standing, and sitting. And then verse 25 through 27, Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Then Peter denied again. And here it is. And immediately the rooster crowed. Now, it can happen to any of us. And I'm, I'm, I'm just begging you. Don't allow that to happen to you. But let's, let's, let's leave that for a moment and let's go to the steps of restoration because we have all failed, we've all fallen short, but we can be restored. I mean, if you're a human creature, you have failed and you have made mistakes. That is inevitable. But here's the thing. What do you do after you fall? That's what really matters. After I fail, what do I do? Get up and try again. Don't stay down. Don't give up. And don't give in. Now, let's see. Let's follow this pathway to restoration. First, admit your failure. You have got to admit it. I blew it. Isn't that hard to say? I blew it. Right? Nobody wants to admit failure. Because if we admit failure, that means we're not perfect and... You know, people look at us like, well, you are a failure. As soon as the rooster crowed, Peter knew that he had failed Jesus. And, and Luke adds this detail that I want to bring out. And Peter, but Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the, here it is, look. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter, at this point, went out and he weeps bitterly. Can you imagine what Peter was feeling at that moment when Jesus' eyes locked onto his? He had prophesied, you will deny me three times. Now, the Danish artist Karl Bloch has painted this portrait of Peter's denial. You probably can't see it as well, but if you'll, at home, if you'll pull it up on your computer, you can already see Jesus' eyes are black. 
He's already swollen. His face is swollen as he's been beaten. There's the rooster. Peter has now turned away after Jesus' eyes meet him. And he's about to go out and he's about to weep bitterly knowing what happened. Can you imagine? I'm sure that Peter's blood just froze in his body. You are the man. Beard was caked with blood. But here's the thing I want you to hear. The expression on Jesus' face when you see it up close isn't disappointment or anger, but the expression on His face is one of love. You see, even when you fail, Jesus loves you. He loves you. And He wants to love you back into that relationship with Him. He wasn't saying, I told you what you'd do. I told you you would fail. You see, it's been said to, to fail is human, but to cover it up is human also. When we fail, we have a tendency to want to put a blanket over it. Once you've made a mistake, one of the hardest things to do is admit it. That's why 1 John 1, 9 says, if we are faithful... If, 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 if we will faithfully confess our sin before God, basically, paraphrase, He will forgive us of that sin. So here's what we should do. If we have failed, admit our failure. Here's three things. Three things we do. Number one, admit it. Number two, quit it. Number three, forget it. Got it? Admit it, quit it, and forget it. Move on. I always say, drive on. Fido, forget it and drive on. Move forward. Don't live in it. Give it to God. Move on. The second thing is repent of your sin. The Bible says that Peter went out and he wept bitterly. The word repent means to have a change of heart that leads to a change of behavior. And Peter does. When the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, and he will if you're staying close to him, it is a painful experience. That's why Peter wept. He was ashamed of his behavior, the things that he had done, the things that he had said. I don't know, I, <clears throat> years and years and years ago, they used to have mourner's benches in church. Anybody remember the mourner's bench? A few of the older people remember the mourner's bench. You know what that mourner's bench was there for? People who had sinned, that they could come down and they would weep at the mourner's bench. And they would, they would come and weep over their sins. But what do we want to do? Brush them under the rug. Because we don't want anybody to know that we need to repent. We don't want anybody to know that we're less than perfect. But we all are sinners. But you know, sorrow and repentance go together. In 2 Corinthians 7.10, For godly sorrow, godly sorrow does what? Produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Guess what? Here we have Peter is going to be, he's going to be brought back into a right relationship with the Lord. He's going to be restored. But what happened to Judas? Judas had remorse, but no repentance. And he went out and hanged himself, bought that potter's field. That's what the high priest did with the money that he cast at their feet. You know, 
Leonard Ravenhill said there will not be spiritual awakening. He's gone to be with the Lord now. But he, he was a great revivalist. He said spiritual awakening will not occur in America again until we have a visit by Mr. Amen and Mr. Wet Eyes. People are mourning and people are excited about what God is doing. Our culture today, though, listen, we celebrate sin. We, we celebrate it. We, we, we don't turn our heads it's like a train wreck. We just have to look at it. Listen, God wants us to admit our failure. He wants us to repent of our sin. And then thirdly, what He wants us to do is return to serve with God's people. And as we return to serve God's people, you see in our story, you don't see it right here, but as you continue to read through John's gospel, you find that Peter goes and he serves with the people again. He goes right back with the other disciples, and then Jesus is there at the end, and we know that, that he confessed three times, Lord, you know I love you. Lord, you know I love you. Lord, you know I love you. So don't just have regret. Have repentance, godly repentance. I mean, Jesus predicted that Peter would deny him three times, but he also predicted that he would get back on track and he would use him again to strengthen the other disciples. Watch Luke 22. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, he says, strengthen the other guys, strengthen the brethren. That's your responsibility. And we know that Peter did. The first 12 chapters of the book of Acts, Peter's, Peter, you see Peter over and over and over again. He's leading the church. He's bringing people to Christ. He, he preaches and 3,000 are saved, 5,000 are saved, then a multitude are saved as God uses him after he returned to him. Now, <clears throat> just because we fail doesn't mean that we're finished. God still will use us. In fact, in, Mark, in Mark's gospel in chapter 16, verse 7, he says, but go, this is after his resurrection, but go, tell the disciples, and they, he puts this in there, and Peter, that he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. So go tell the others, but tell Peter. Be sure you tell Peter. He wanted Peter to be there because Peter was still useful to him. I am not going to sing. But this hymn, I think, needs to be read because it goes along with this sermon. This hymn was written in 1757 by a British pastor named Robert, Rob, Robert Robinson when he was 22 years old. And uh, he surrendered to preach under George Whitfield's preaching. And then he began to pastor a little Baptist church that's called Stone Yard Baptist Church. And he preached with such power and passion that the church exploded with growth. But then he met this other pastor at Cambridge who was a Unitarian. And he convinced Robert that Jesus was not God. And he fell away and the church declined and he resigned and he was in deep Depression. He lost the joy of his salvation. Years later, he was riding a stagecoach from Cambridge to London. And there was a lady on that stagecoach with him that had a hymn book. And she said, oh, sir, this is the most marvelous hymn. Have you ever heard it? 
And she said, the name of it is Come, Thou Fount of Every Blessing. He said, yes, I wrote that when I was 22 years old. But I have wandered far away and there's no hope for me now. And she said, oh, but remember what you wrote. Come, Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Tune my heart to sing Thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount, I'm fixed up on it. Mount of thy redeeming love. Verse 2 says, Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help to come. And I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to the rescue, me from the danger, interposed his precious blood. Now here it is, verse 3. Oh, to grace how great a debt, or daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy grace, Lord, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. We are prone to wonder, aren't we? But his mercy is ever enduring. His streams are never ceasing. Robert recommitted his life to the Lord and the teaching of the truth of the Word of God. And he began pastoring again and did until he died at age 55, a faithful servant of the Lord. Maybe we need to rediscover that as well in our lives, that we too would be a flaming, burning cinder for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Two things I think were takeaways from what we have looked at today. Number one is stay faithful to the Lord. Stay close to Him always. Don't forsake Him. Don't leave Him. Our attitude should be Romans 1.16, which says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be ashamed of the gospel. I'm not going to be ashamed of Jesus. Second takeaway is if you have drifted or if you are drifting from the Lord and if you have failed Him, you can be restored to the fellowship that He offers. And what we need to do is say, Lord, I have sinned and I have fallen short, but Lord, I am coming home. And what we do is say, Father, take the wandering away from me and let me come back to Thee to please our Heavenly Father. So, if you've wandered, today's a good day to come down to the mourner's bench, the altar. You say, well, I'm not going to do that because if I do that, you'll know that I have wandered away or sinned. Yes, but guess what? We'll also be able to rejoice in knowing that a wandering soul has come home. Also, this is a time for people that may want to join this local assembly. It's a time for people who may need to be born again in the family of God. You have ran and ran and ran. Well, today you can run into the arms of Christ and be saved. We're here for you, and we'd love to have you. Let's pray, then we'll have our invitation. Heavenly Father, thank you for your incredible grace, your mercy, your long-suffering. 
And Father, thank you that you have cast the net to try to bring in lost souls. And Father, I pray today that we would get right with you. And Father, we would stay right with you. And we would walk right beside you. And every which way you turn, we'll turn with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.